You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. Now step into the arena of ideas with your host, Dr. Brian Shelton. From the mystic, majestic mountains of northwestern North Carolina, this is the Bellator Christie Podcast, where we take Christian truth into the arena of ideas. My name is Dr. Brian Chilton, and I'll be your host for the next 30 minutes to an hour as we discuss matters of theology, philosophy, historical studies, apologetics, and a whole lot more. As we get started, I want to let you know about an exciting slate of podcasts coming your way in the month of October. Can you believe it's already October? This I year's know, right? Long by. I mean, it just seems like yesterday, uh, Deanna and I we, and joined uh, many of our classmates. We were walking the field there at Williams Stadium and uh, for graduation, and here we are already in October. Uh, so uh, next week, we're going to discuss divine covenants found in the Bible and how they progress toward the ultimate covenant that is the new covenant. Uh, then on October 19th, we take a deeper dive into the aspect of biblical inspiration, examining uh, especially what is meant by theonoustos or the scripture being God-breathed. We'll take a look at uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. We'll reference that tonight and probably discuss that quite a bit. Uh, but we'll just take a look at what we mean by biblical inspiration or what we mean by the scripture being God-breathed. Uh, then on uh, October 26th, we bring you another doubleheader. Uh, the first episode of the doubleheader will feature a conversation with Dr. T.J. Gentry in a discussion on biblical inerrancy. We ask the question, does biblical inerrancy matter? And we'll give the answer on that episode. Afterward, our cowboy apologist, Curtis Evelo, rejoins us for another segment of the Question Zone. And let me say, if last week's Question Zone is any indication of what is to come, then you're going to be in for a treat. That is uh, so right. It was so good. Well, thank you. We actually had a lot of people, uh, we actually had a person or two comment saying, hey, can you cover this question? Uh, can you take a deeper dive into this different issues, this different issue, uh, on, on the next episode. So, uh, having spoken to Curtis this week, he's already working on some great material to bring your way for the questions on episode. And, uh, that's for then. Uh, this is for now. Let's jump into tonight's episode. Uh, when we speak of biblical inspiration, we largely describe the manner in which God preserved his message through the written documents of scripture. The Apostle Paul even says in 2 Timothy 3.16, uh, 3, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. But what do we mean when we say that the Bible is inspired? Does this mean that God dictated every letter and word that would be penned in the scripture? Or did God work through the personalities of each biblical writer, granting them the freedom to write in their own words? Well, to discuss this topic, we are joined by Dr. Deanna Huff. Dr. Huff is a recent graduate of the Doctor of Philosophy program in Theology and Apologetics at Liberty University. I know this because we graduated in the same class and walked the field together. She also Great holds day. <laughs> Amen to that. She also holds a Master of Theology and Apologetics and Worldview from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. 
a Master of Divinity in Biblical Languages from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and a Bachelor of Arts from the University of Oklahoma. Uh, she has led many seminars at the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma, ladies' retreats, and much, much more. Deanna is an active member of Capitol Hill Baptist Church, where she and her pastor co-host a Worldview podcast entitled The Analysis. And folks, you need to check out that podcast. It's excellent. In addition to all this, she also serves as an editor and an associate vice president at Bellator Christie Ministries. Join me in welcoming Dr. Deanna Huff to the Bellator Christie podcast. Oh, it's so glad to be here. So glad to have this conversation with you, Brian. There's nothing better than to talk about the Bible. Absolutely. And the only sad thing is that I haven't had you on sooner. That's the only bad thing about it. (laughs) Oh, no, this is great. I I tell you, I'm just thrilled to be able to converse with you. I So many times we've been at Liberty conversing with so many people, sharing ideas, countering arguments, and it just strengthens us in the faith. It's just been so much fun. So glad to be here. Absolutely. And it's, it's such a, well, I tell everybody, you know, for me, the PhD program really humbled me greatly. There's all these great minds here. And, you know, I thought I understood certain things, but then we start discussing some of these things. I thought, I didn't know that as well as I thought I did. You know, it's really humbling (laughs) to go through the program. (laughs) I tell you, I, I I remember walking in a class. It was a Dr. Yates class. And all these great minds were in there. And I thought, I shouldn't be here. You know, we're all discussing things. I'm thinking I am the least in mind to be here. And uh, one of the persons sitting across from me, great mind, I, I considered one of the most intelligent in the class, gave great arguments, said, guys, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I, I, I mean, you guys, you guys are so smart. And I was thinking to myself, it does humble you because you recognize the depth of God is so deep. The knowledge of God is so far beyond us and yet so close to us. He, he gives it to us in scripture. He reveals it. So he gives us a mind to be able to reason through it. And yet it's so vast and so deep. And there are some great minds out there. I mean, great thinkers. And I just attribute everything to standing on the shoulders of giants well let let me say that deanna you are definitely one of those great minds i never will forget i think we had dr yates together for uh was a a prophets uh a prophet i believe and that's actually where we first met and i was thinking the whole way through because you know dr yates if he he may even be listening to this but i know i noticed whenever he was uh, what viewing some of the presentations he'd start rubbing his head and i thought I don't know how to interpret that. (laughs) Exactly. And and, and he's just has so much knowledge. Him and Dr. Purser, I tell you, have so much knowledge in Old Testament, New Testament. Some of my favorite times was being in the midst of them because he's, you know, Dr. Yates is Old Testament. Dr. Purser is New Testament. And they, they really cross over, but I mean, they just... They just blessed us with so much. And there were so many other professors as well. But, uh, you know, we just happened to be talking about them today. 
Yeah, absolutely. Every, every, every professor I had there was just phenomenal. I mean, they really were and, uh, just blessed to be part of the program. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I tell, tell people whenever I first started, I didn't think I was going to get in. And when I got in, I couldn't believe that I was in. And I thought, well, there's no way I'm going to make it. <laughs> and then here we are last May. I'm thinking, how did God bring me through this? I, <laughs> exactly. How many times did we want to quit? How many tears, right? Absolutely. Uh, there, there were some times when it, it seemed like, wow, am I going to make it? But then the Lord just gives you the strength and he gives you people like you and, and others in the program that kind of champion you on and your family just, just can't do without that. Right. Well, Deanna, before we, before we jump into the podcast itself, the, the topic, and I want to say that you are a blessing. And, and you said something you may not even remember saying it, but it was in one of the classes I was going through. I was going through a difficult time, but God really spoke through you because you said something to the effect that everybody's journey may be different, but, but trust God, trust in the journey that he gives you and, uh, and just go on the journey that God puts before you. And just the way you said that, that really ministered to me in that moment in time. And, and I really appreciate that and really thank you for, for letting God use you as you, as you did and, and continue to do even today. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful and humbled. Yeah. In so many ways. Well, let's jump right into this. Uh, so explain what we mean when we talk about biblical inspiration. What is biblical inspiration? You know, when we were talking about this and prepping for this particular time, it immediately brought my mind to the fact that inspiration, meaning God breathed, you know, God breathed out the scriptures um, and it recalled to mind this idea of what Augustine, you know, says that the Bible is a letter of God, the God Almighty addressed to his creatures. And when we began to think about these things, I, I was thinking back to B.B. Warfield, and he says, inspiration is usually defined as a supernatural influence exerted on the sacred writers by the spirit of God, hmm. by virtue of which their writings are great, are given divine worthiness and trustworthiness. And and that's what we think about when we think about the the scriptures being inspired, being God breathed, they are something that is unique and special for humanity to not only know God, uh, but to learn how to be in relationship with one another. And that comes out of the Old Testament and into the New Testament. We see that in Matthew 22, where, you know, Jesus says the law and the prophets, they all of this summed up is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what God is giving to us. He's breathing out this ability to be in relationship with him. Amen. And I love that quote from Augustine, especially. I mean, you brought up already some heavy hitters, Augustine, B.B. Warfield. And just they're again talking about these these amazing minds uh, throughout, not only through the program we went through, but throughout history, you know, mm-hmm. think of Augustine's, the Aquinas's, the Anselms, and just amazing individuals. Yeah. And I, I tell you, if you go back and you begin to look at what the church father said about the scriptures, I mean, you see this repetition of 
this uh, sensing that God's word is divine mm-hmm. and it is for humanity. And, and that's what's so incredible about it is that God being, you know, infinite and all knowing and, and all of these things so beyond humanity. And yet he gives us something that can inspire us, that can encourage us, that can console comfort, that can uh, lead us to encourage other people mm-hmm. and all of those things. And that is something that is definitely unique regarding God's word. Even people who are, you know, unbelievers attest to the fact that God's word has something special in it. Amen. Absolutely. So what are some reasons we have to believe that the Bible was divinely inspired? You know, as as I've been thinking about that, you know, I think about three things. One of the things that I think about is that God's word itself has this proclamation within it, right? Thus mm-hmm. says the Lord, you know, or write this down for the people to hear. Mm-hmm. You, you have these different statements within scripture. You have it in Jeremiah, you have it in Isaiah, you have it in you know, all through the prophets. And, and so you see this played out in scripture where you have this confirmation. Scripture attests to this inspiration. And we see this in Second Timothy, which you mentioned earlier in the broadcast, which is, you know, that all scripture is inspired by God. It, that is such a great statement that people use. It's profitable for how many things? For teaching, rebuking, right? Encouraging, uh, so that the man of God will be equipped for every good work. And, and you see that it's God inspired there. You also see in Second Peter 1, 20 and 21, but know this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And so the, the third thing I was thinking about was that Jesus himself affirms scripture, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. We, we see this on Sermon on the Mount. We see this in Matthew 5, 17 and 18. He affirms and he says, do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. And mm-hmm. and you could look again as well in Luke. You see in Luke uh, 24, 27, and, you know, Jesus is on the road to Emmaus with these two guys and he sits down and where does he start? He starts with, you know, the law and the prophets and and we see Jesus affirming this. So not only do you see the word of God is proclaiming it, you you see it in the scriptures themselves, but also that Jesus himself is affirming it. And since we're followers of Jesus and he's endorsing it, then I think that we too can be in agreement with that. And to, to throw a little Habermas out there, you know, with the resurrection <laughs> and the, the overwhelming evidence we have that Jesus rose from the dead, that affirms and confirms everything that the Father was doing through through Jesus. And so even that, if you take that and just deduce from there, I mean, if Jesus is is affirming that the scripture is the word of God and this you have a guy that just defeated death. Then, then we might all take his claim seriously. 
I tell you what, Dr. Habermas, he is something special and uh, just makes you feel valued and uh, so generous in the way that he speaks. His his, uh, communication about the resurrection has definitely uh, strengthened my faith. Uh, I think that I've read everything that I can that he has loved having him in class. He taught me so much you know, about the fact that really everything lands on the resurrection. And I'm not sure that I really thought that prior to him. Like I knew it, but he helped me communicate it. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Same here. So Deanna, we've, we've, we kind of looked through uh, some, some theories because (laughs) <laughs> with theology <laughs> if you have two theologians you probably probably have five theories <laughs> that's exactly right kind of like us baptists you get two baptists in a room you'll have five theories there too <laughs> that's exactly right but uh we we kind of look through and some of these some of these theories i'll just go ahead and let everybody know some of these theories you probably heard before some of these are lesser known uh and so we want to talk about five theories uh, that uh, that come out there, and there may be more. You know, there may be several more theories out there, but these are just some of the five that we we came up with. Um, so one is called the encounter theory of inspiration. What is the encounter theory? When you know, I was looking back into this because I, I, I was thinking some of these overlap, right? Yeah, and and what you see is that you'll see something like the encounter theory, and then you'll see the neo orthodox theory, and they'll be merging those two together, and they'll be talking about Karl Barth, and and so just to kind of get a, a small view of what I've brought to the table is that this view is typically um, emphasizing the transcendence of God and the word of god is is fallible that that's going to be problematic right right and yes. they tie this to karl bart and you know this view is going to emphasize this encounter with jesus like the bible itself is not anything special unless you encounter jesus and then it becomes something special, but there's no objective truth. It's really an experiential matter. And I think that that's going to be problematic with the encounter theory. Kind of like what Bart was saying that you have the eight, the word small w, but you have the word superimposed on the word. And so those who take this view, if I'm understanding correctly, they're they're just talking more about the experience you have with God through the scripture rather than the scripture being something special. The ex- yes, exactly. And that's the way that I, I see that. And, and I think that that's going to be problematic for a couple of reasons. I mean, I, I pulled this quote out with uh, Francis Schaeffer because I, I really appreciate him. He wrote that the problem with communicating Christianity to a new generation was centered on a new view of truth that detached it from objective and knowable reality. Mm. And, you know, we cannot detach truth from the fact that God's word is objective. God's word is 
knowable. And uh, even if you're an unbeliever and you don't believe that God's word is true, you're going to have problems because, you know, there are so many claims. When you look at Psalm 19, you, you see the law of the Lord is perfect. When you look at Psalm 119, 160, you see the sum of your word is truth and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. So you have this idea of there's there's standard. There's an objective truth. And, and when you pull away from that and you, and you say, well, God's word isn't objective any longer, then right. I think you're going to have problems with that. And Jesus himself, you know, in John 17, 17, he says, sanctify them in the truth, right? Mm-hmm. Jesus himself in John 8, John 17, John 17, 8, he says, for I have given them the words that you gave me. And, yeah. and we don't want to pull away from God's word being true. So I think that this is a weaker theory mm-hmm. that should be held with a lot of caution. Absolutely. So you kind of see this even in practice. Maybe individuals don't necessarily hold this view, but in practice with even some, some Bible studies, you know, the, the focus is placed more on what do you see in the scripture as opposed to what does the scripture say? Yeah, I, exactly. And I'm sure you've experienced this so much in, in yeah. your uh, preaching and teaching and all the years that you've spent in encountering people, because what we want to do is we want to impose on the word. And just the other day, I, I try to watch some of the reels or TikToks, you know, because I have kids that are in college and I have I have a kid that's, I actually have two out of college and, you know, they're in this generation of social media. And so the other day I was watching a guy who was teaching on uh, Jesus when the, uh, the, I'm Seraphonician approaches him and says, you know, even the dogs eat the crumbs at the table. And so, uh, would you heal my my child? And Jesus says, your faith is, is, is good and your child's going to be healed. And basically what Jesus was trying to say in that particular passage, which people can go back and look at, is that it, it first comes to the Jews and then the Gentiles. And there's an order here that's going on, right? Absolutely. Well, what what happened on this is that this guy... On TikTok, he's teaching and he says, listen, when you read this passage, you can clearly see that uh, this woman is standing up to power and she is telling Jesus, you know, I'm going to stand up to you and you need to do this. And she is, she is, you know, he's basically calling her a dog, which he, he totally misuses the idea of a dog in that passage it's more like a little puppy like a house pet domesticated pet it's it's not implying this ferocious dog and and uh, he says so she's revolutionizing this and then uh, jesus is is now repenting and changing his mind on this and uh, she's done something good because she stood up to power And, you know, when you think about things like that, and when you see things like that, you're like, he's encountered the scriptures, he's taken his experience of what he's in the world, you know, he's put on his glasses, his lens, instead of trying to understand the passage within 
the book, the book within the New Testament, the New Testament within the Old Testament. You know, he's not trying to do that. He's taking his experience. And so when you talk about the fact that, you know, you're, you're having this experiential moment, you know, God put experience in us and, and those are really good things, right? I mean, C.S. Lewis does this in his book with beauty and joy and the awakening of all those things. Uh, but they're, but they're signposts. The, these experiences are signposts that point us back to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not to change God's word to, to cater to whatever we're experiencing at the time. And so I, I think you have a good word there in, in that caution. I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, the, the book I told you about, I'm, I'm writing one on experiential apologetics and it's going to actually speak to that. You know, as well, because our experiences matter, but they should be, as you said, signposts that point us back to the God of Scripture. And and I'm just I'm thinking not to get us off topic here, but I'm thinking as well. I mean, if you look at the picture of Jesus as presented in Scripture, we see that he stood up for the oppressed. He stood up for those who were, if you want to claim oppressed by the power, he stood up to that. And so where he comes across with that interpretation is just it's unfounded. That's that's for sure. But uh, what about the illumination theory of biblical inspiration? Well, when we think about the illumination theory, uh, that too, I, I think is a little bit harder to wrap your hands around a little bit. It's it's this heightened ability given to the authors to write scripture, but it's more about the person instead of God's word having power and being true and being inspired, the person themselves is inspired. And so, you know, you're not necessarily going to have all of scripture to be true. You can have segments of scripture to be true, but it's not necessarily the whole of scripture. And I, I think that this is, this is kind of an interesting one, but it, it does bring the idea more on the human person rather than the word of God. And God obviously wanted us to have his word and have the focus there. And I think that that's important for us to remember. It's basically saying that they were illuminated and now anybody can be illuminated. So why not Aristotle? Why not Buddha? Why not, you know, if they were all illuminated in the mind to be able to write, then who can't write? Kind of a pluralistic interpretation. Yeah, you could look at it that way, you know. What's going to have the greater weight? And I think that when we look at God's word, we have to recognize or, or we have to deal with the passages, the passages of scripture that state, you know, thus says the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. So journeying from the illumination theory, uh, we come to one called the dynamic theory of interpretation. So what is the dynamic theory? You know, I, I kinda, I like the dynamic theory because it, it is this idea of uh, authorship with God and man. And he is by the Holy Spirit inspiring man, but 
man is using his gifts and his talents and he's using his personality, his grammar style. And I, I think that there is some weight in the dynamic theory. In fact, it, one of the notes that I had in here was the spirit of God directed the author's thoughts, but allowed for human style and personalities to write. God provides the concepts and the author uses his personality to write. It is a dual authorship. And, you know, you don't want to put more weight on humanity than should be. And I think that's a little bit of the pull there. Uh, You see where in Jeremiah 30, that he is writing, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, write in a book, all the words that I've spoken to you. So you do see this idea of Jeremiah, who is being inspired by God to write, but you also see this freedom in first Corinthians seven with Paul where Paul is speaking and he says, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. And so you can kind of see this dual authorship going on in the Bible. Absolutely. And and I like the blend between uh, that, that God is inspiring, but he's using, you know, human agency you know, at least giving them some, free, you know, freedom to express themselves. I, I, I kind of like that blend that that's uh, part of that theory as well. I think I'm with you. I, that there's a draw to that. Yeah, I think so. And just this idea that God uses human agents, you know, he's, he's used to human agents from the beginning when he started with Adam and Eve, he, he sent them out to, you know, be over the animals and to be able to rule and do these things so that he would have this kingdom here. And of course it, it goes awry when <laughs> the fall happens with Adam and Eve, but you see this over and over again, right? You see this with the kings. God is using human agents. You see it with the prophets. You see it with the disciples. And still today, I think sometimes we forget that he's still using us today. You know, they were fallen and we're fallen. And by the grace of God, he can use us. And I think that's just incredible. Amen. So we've, we've, we've seen one side, one extreme where you had illumination and the, the theory there and the encounter theory where the emphasis is placed wholeheartedly on humanity. We see kind of a blend with the, the dynamic theory. Now, now we flip the script to <laughs> a theory by the name of the dictation theory of inspiration. So what is the dictation theory? Yeah, I think this is a little bit harder for people because you know, it's kind of like I have a dictation phone and I'm just saying everything into the phone and it's computing everything out. And that's what the Lord did. And he did that with every individual. He didn't use their grammar style. He didn't use their personality. They just basically were the pen of writing God's word. And that's not bad necessarily, but it doesn't to line up with scripture, right? I mean, what we see in scripture is we don't see that God, you know, told David, hey, I I want you to dictate the Lord is my shepherd. 
No, you see God using David, his his experience, his personality, and all of those things, and he he's he's writing this song, but the Holy Spirit is guiding him all along. But within dictation, I think you're limited because there are parts of scripture and nuances of scripture that you look at and you say, well, that personality doesn't line up with this personality yeah, or this literature right. doesn't line up with this piece. And, and so it seems harder to grapple with when you look at a dictation idea without God using the development of the person. Now, not that it's not by the Holy Spirit, but by the development of the person. And I, I think that matters. I agree. I mean, even look at the four gospels and I mean, I think it's quite evident. You see four different writing styles approaching the same topic of Jesus. And there are just four personalities that's flowing through those four gospels. And, um, and then, of course, you could talk even about Paul and, you know, the difference between Paul's writing style and James and, and so on and so forth. But, uh, I, I'm with you. I mean, you, you definitely see personalities in these writings. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right when we look at that. It's just going to come out naturally. Absolutely. So now we come to our fifth uh, theory of biblical, uh, theory of biblical inspiration. And that's one called verbal plenary, the verbal plenary theory of biblical inspiration. So what, what is that? That's a mouthful. That is a mouthful. And that's the one that reminds me of Dr. Morrison. <laughs> Gotta love him, right? <laughs> so this inspiration extends to the very words themselves, not just the concept. So all of scripture, plenary, meaning the whole, right? Mm-hmm. All the verbal aspects. And, you know, it's hard because what people want to do is they want to pin down and say, oh, well, every single word like it and the and every article, which is actually not the Greek, but. That's that's English translation, right? But what it's saying is, is that the inspiration extends to the very words themselves, not just concepts. Parts of the Bible are not more true than other parts, but verbal plenary extends to all of scripture. And I put a quote here by Dr. Morrison that states, that is the work of God, whereby he superintended the human authors of scripture so that as they used reflected their own personality styles and contexts they yet inscripturated god's revelation delivered god's revelation god's word to humanity in those very wordings and you can see that it really nicely just wraps up this idea that all of scripture is god's word and we don't have to get in the technical difficulties of, uh, you know, every single word being something, but there are words. And we think about begotten, you know, we think about words um, in John, first John, right? And words matter. And so it's the whole of scripture. Absolutely. It, I love you. I love the, that you uh, quoted him where he said inscripturated. Going through bibliology, I, that's one word that kept coming over and over, inscripturated. <laughs> Gotta love Dr. Morrison. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I tell you, I was so afraid to take him. 
But one of the kindest individuals, uh, so generous, wanting people to learn God's word. He just had a heart that was a professor that was serving and loving, but he was hard. Uh, He had a standard that was high, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that, right? Nothing wrong with that at all. stretched us. In fact, I remember talking to Dr. Purser several times saying, Dr. Purser, I'm, I'm frightened to take, like you said, I'm, th- this guy scares me from everything I've heard about. And his class was tough. It's very tough. But you talk about a sweet, sweet individual. I mean, my goodness, so compassionate. But I've said before, and I'll say again, I'll say this on the podcast. I think the man is a genius by every stretch of the imagination, by every term, every definition of genius. I think he fits it. Uh, uh, just the recall, even going through health issues as he has, the, the 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 recall that he has, quoting things even verbatim. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, he definitely has a mind to be admired, you know, given by God and one that he used for the glory of God. That That was a great experience to have him as a professor, for sure. Absolutely. So, Deanna, which of these theories, in your in your opinion, best explains the methodology by which God inspired Scripture? Now, I don't know what you're thinking on your end because we <laughs> haven't discussed this, but you know, I, I still go with the verbal plenary. You know, it just gives a whole of Scripture. I, I could also be comfortable with the dynamic uh, as well, the dynamic theory. Having a co-author, God using both the Holy Spirit and the personalities, but it, it seems like scripture is consistent with verbal plenary when I look at things. And so people may I, I, disagree with me, but one thing we can agree on is I, I agree that it's the word of God. I, I believe that it's God inspired. And he's given it to us to know him and to love people, to share his word with people. Well, and I wholeheartedly agree with you, Deanna. I think, in my opinion, verbal. I mean, it, you're right. We didn't discuss that beforehand. And, uh, and, and but yeah, verbal plenary. I think I think that that is the one that, in my personal opinion, I think it best fits what we have in Scripture and and how God formulated. Hey, well, isn't it right we're like two or more agree something? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's totally a prayer. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's good because, you know, Martin Luther said, where do we find God's word except in the scriptures? And, you know, I, I've mentioned so many people. One of, one of the things that is true is that, you know, when we talk about the Reformation, And we talk about Luther going up against the Roman Catholic Church. I mean, what courage God gave him to be able to stand when it was really hard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he had this zeal for the scriptures because he understood the grace of God through the scriptures. And, you know, here, here he says at the Diet of Worms in April, he, you know, in the 1500s, 1518, I think. Uh, so anyway, he says, you know, here I stand. I can do no other. But what what was he saying? He was saying, listen, unless you can convince me by scripture and reason alone, and I'm I'm paraphrasing, 
you know, here I, here I stand, I can do no other. And I think we need to be people like that. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to be generous. We need to be hospitable, willing to listen. You know, tonight I've talked a lot, but willing to listen, right? <laughs> You're asking me questions. I'm just answering. No. <laughs> but really, uh, we need, we need to be able to communicate what, what is this Bible? What is the word of God? And why is it so important that God commanded us to go out into all the world and, and to teach and to share? And, and when he, when he says that in Matthew, he says, teach them everything I've commanded. And so sometimes I'll, I'll tell people, I'll say, Hey, you should go back in the scriptures. Tell me things that God has commanded. You know, what are those things? And how do they counsel us? How do they comfort us? How do they encourage us? And how can we use that to encourage others? Absolutely. We, Deanna, we actually have a comment here on, um, on one of our video streams. Uh, I'd like to get your opinion if, if you, if you don't mind. Uh, Tim Chrisman writes, he said, I agree with your assessment on the dictation theory. God works through us, allowing us to serve without overpowering our uniqueness. With demonic possession, the evil spirits overpower personality. This is what you see with regard to automatic writing and occultism. What, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, so that's an interesting thought. And I think God does use our personalities. I think he uses, you know, uh, our, our grammar, our style, all, all of those things. I don't think that evil spirits are indwelling in believers mm-hmm. necessarily. And I may not be getting at the question there, but I, I think he's talking more about like in the occult where they have, um, where, where they consult the demonic powers, demonic entities, and then they write, it's like they're like in, uh, unbelievers who are overcome with this demonic presence and write out. I, I'm not very familiar with it, but okay. I think that's what he's referencing. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I definitely agree. I mean, this is what we see in the garden, right? Yeah. Eve, Eve is in the garden and the enemy comes in and he says, Hey, you know, are you sure that's what God said? And he begins to persuade and move her in a direction. And now we carry that same seed. And uh, if we're not under the father of truth, if we're not under God and following Christ, then there's only two kingdoms, the father of light, the father of dark or the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're listening to one or the other, right? And hopefully we're submitting to the spirit if we're a believer and not walking in the flesh. But uh, definitely in the kingdom of darkness, I, I think the enemy definitely is directing in moving people in that direction and and speaks through people demonically. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah I agree with you. And, and um, I remember whenever I lived down at the coast. um so I don't remember if it was uh, a, re- a revival conference because I actually attended Southeastern for a semester uh, and and just wasn't able to finish. I, w- I started there, wasn't able to finish because I had changed churches, moved back uh, in in the, the Piedmont area of North Carolina and just 
it just never worked out for me to go back. That's why I was so thankful that when I finished my undergrad that, you know, Liberty had the ability to uh, go online. And then not long after that, the Southeastern opened up with, hey, let's go online. It's like, <laughs> but I'm very appreciative for Liberty and, and very thankful to be there because it's a wonderful, wonderful school. But uh, having said all of that, there was a guy uh, that I was actually taking up to Southeastern who was from Zimbabwe. And uh, he lived there. He was a pastor and he was coming to North Carolina to visit. And um, he was telling me on the ride up to Raleigh or Wake Forest, north of Raleigh, about the the spiritual spiritualism that is in certain areas there and how there are these demonic entities with this occultism that takes place. And they do come in and they overtake and they, you know, they wreak havoc. And uh, it's amazing. There's there's stories that he's told and I've heard others share about how the spirit of God completely overwhelms and overcomes these demonic entities and sets people free. I mean, wow. it sounds it sounds kind of like this something from the twilight zone, but to hear people talk, it actually does happen. It's just amazing. No, I absolutely believe it. I, I've gone on mission trips in Haiti and there's a lot of voodoo witchcraft. And one of the leaders of voodoo and witchcraft uh, became a Christian. God changed his life and he's a missionary there now for Christ. And he was one of the persons who was with me when we were sharing the gospel with people and, and he, you know, we would walk by places and there would be little bitty places where they would, you know, have these little statues and rocks and, and blood and all these different things. And you're thinking, Oh my goodness, like people are doing this on a regular basis is this sacrificing stuff and, and being filled with demonic things. And so I definitely am with you. I, I think that that's real. And I think that God is, is greater and bigger. Greater is he who, you know, is in me than he who is in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're thankful for that. And I think that that's just a good thing. I want, I'd like to say one more thing on this, on the, we were talking about the plenary view and, or verbal plenary. And that is that God, you know, uses grammar and, and, uh, these personalities and things. And it just reminds me that God uses all of us in different ways. And we can be a manager of Best Buy, or we can be an employee of Best Buy, or we can be a high school student or a college student or a doctor or, you know, you and I probably hear story after story about how people are being used by God. And and we don't see that on the media or don't necessarily always hear it. But the stories are out there because God is at work and he does use, you know, he, he uses us. He, he uses our brokenness because when we're weak, he makes us strong and, and he uses those things to be able to relate with other people, to have empathy and sympathy and all those things. He uses our personalities. <laughs> and so sometimes we try to, you know, look like somebody else or be like somebody else. And and I remember I was following a teacher one year at a school and he is known as one of the best teachers. Mm-hmm. And he is, he is a fabulous teacher. And I remember that first year, everything I did, I tried to do just like him. And finally, after about a year and a half, I think the Lord just, you know, 
compelled my heart mm-hmm. and said, listen, I, I've made you like you for a reason. You're, you're not going to be able to connect with everybody. You're not going to be able to write for everybody or speak to everybody, but there are some that I'm using you with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so he uses all of our, all of our weaknesses, all of our strengths for his good and for his glory. If we lay down our lives to take up the cross and follow him. And, you know, it's not in the same way that the writers of the Bible were used because we're not them. Uh, And we don't want to be them. We want to be who God made us to be the unique individual he made us to be. And so I think that I think all these things matter in the way that we go forward in sharing the gospel and sharing Christ with others. Absolutely. I want to share one quick story before we wrap up and, and it just coincides with, with what you just said. I heard there was a, there was a story of this preacher when he preached, he always tucked this finger back and, and always did this, this motion when he preached. And people began to wonder why does he tuck that one finger back every single time when he's making a point? Well, come to find out that one of his professors in seminary uh, was a fantastic uh, preacher, but he was involved in an accident where he cut off the tip of his of his index finger. And so obviously when he preached to make a point, his hand would literally look like that. And so this guy, not even thinking through, just wanted to be so much like this teacher. He, he eventually took the finger back, I guess, to commemorate his teacher. <laughs> Wow, wow, wow. He he was taken, uh, follow me as I follow Christ, right? Very literally. (laughs) Exactly. That is great. I love it. Well, Deanna, thank you so much for being on with us tonight. We have got to get you back on very, very soon. I have thoroughly enjoyed this time with you, and and, uh, you're such a blessing. Well, it has been a real blessing to me. Thank you so much for having me on. I am so glad to be a part of Bellator Christie and just continue to want people to be encouraged and equipped uh, through the ministry of Bellator Christie. You've done just such a fantastic job of leading out in that. And we thank you for that. It, to, to God be the glory. It, it, yeah. I mean, just like with the PhD program, there were so many ways that God just intervened to, to, to bring things together as he has. It's just amazing to see how, how God has worked and just blessed to be part of it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But thank you so much. I hope you guys have a great fall. <laughs> Thanks. And I hope you do as well. For Dr. Deanna Huff, this is Dr. Brian Chilton saying God bless. And we'll see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. You've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. The views expressed on this podcast may not reflect those of Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates. This program is protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. If you enjoyed this podcast, then be sure to subscribe and leave a positive review. Also, tell a friend. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas.